Welcome to Voices from the Bench, a dental laboratory podcast. Send us an email at info at voicesfromthebench.com or look for us on Facebook at Voices from the Bench. Greetings and welcome to episode 124 of Voices from the Bench. My name is Elvis. I'm Barbara. How's everybody doing out there? Barbara, how are you? What's happening down there in Florida? <sighs> you know, <laughs> it's the uh, epicenter, I think, now of uh, the coronavirus, which you and I said we weren't going to talk about, but uh, my sister actually came down with it. So it's now in my family. I'm super worried. Uh. My mom just tested negative, so she's doing good, and Kristen's uh, doing a little bit better. But yeah, it's crazy. Did she have symptoms? Yeah. Is that why she got tested? She woke up super dizzy. And Ooh. had like vertigo, felt really weird and really nauseous. And yeah, so she went and got tested. And then she was had a cough and she kind of been up and down, no fever or anything like that. And then yesterday, like six, seven days into it, she got a fever. So, and then today she's better. So it's like all over the board. Interesting. Yeah. Yes. How long did it take her to get test results? Um, in Florida, it's like three to four days. Some are six to 10. Yeah. PBS, um, it's usually like three days. So. Oh, that's not bad. Yeah. It's not bad. Have you been tested? Yeah, I actually got tested yesterday because I've been around my sister, but not for about nine days. But I just went to just make sure. Sure. Keeping my mask on, staying away from everybody. I feel really good, really strong. But still, you know, it's nice to know if you do or don't. So I'm waiting a couple more days. Yeah, it's it's nerve wracking. I've been there waiting. 14 days, wasn't it? It was like two weeks for you. Originally, my wife's test Way back in March when this all started, that was like six weeks we waited. It was nuts. But lately here where I live, you can get a result back in like in a day and a half. Oh, that's so, nice. Yeah. It's a little easier, but luckily I still yet to have anyone in our family get it, you know, luckily. Yeah. Luckily. Exactly. Yeah. Your sister works at the lab, so obviously she's not going into work, right? Nope. She's in the very back of the lab, and she got it on, I think, Saturday, and then she she hasn't been in since, so. Oh. When she started feeling the symptoms, she didn't come back? No. Uh-uh. Well, that's good. Yeah, the last thing you want to do is have it spread around the lab. Yeah, yeah exactly. Best of luck to her and to you and the family. Thank you. That sucks, you know? I mean, you you really don't hear about it until you hear about it. Exactly. <laughs> I was hoping to never yeah. hear about it and just hear about it, you know, far away, but it keeps getting closer sure. and closer. So if I go down, I'll be sure to let you know. Yeah, please do. Can't get it on yeah, the podcast, but if I do get it, I'll be sure and give you a shout and let you know that I finally got it. Yeah, let me know. In case it gets too bad, we can record like 80 episodes all at once. <laughs> 10-4, partner. You got it. <laughs> I'm not letting you off that easy. I know. <laughs> So this week brings us a conversation about everybody's favorite topic, taxes. Taxes. (laughs) Yes, that lovely aspect of life that makes everything better. But actually, for dental labs, it can be a great opportunity. So we've talked about the R&D credit on the podcast before. We've had some other people on. Mm. But this time, we are joined by an expert with taxes And what's kind of cool, they brought on a lab owner who took advantage of this credit. So this is a nice firsthand look at how this process goes down. Sure is. Tracy Lushton from the Alliant Group helped John Beasley from Classic Craft Dental Laboratory in Savannah, Georgia, through the whole process. 
And John talks about his experiences working with Tracy to get this tax credit for a bunch of stuff that they were already doing in the lab for the last four years. So if you've ever thought about looking into getting this credit, this is a great account of someone that went through it firsthand. So join us as we find out exactly how easy it is with Tracy Luston and John Beasley. Barb, I got a call from a doctor who's looking for a new lab. What? That's awesome. Did they start to send you work yet? Yeah, but unfortunately her impressions are terrible. Miss margins, distortions all over. I don't know what to do. Well, she's probably looking for a new lab because the last lab stopped taking her impressions. You know, bad dentists, they go from lab to lab to lab. Yeah, that's probably what she's doing. But, you know, I just got this account. I don't want to lose it. When I talked to her, I asked what impression material she was using, and it was some brand I've never heard of. Yeah, there's a lot of crappy impressions out there. I don't understand why offices use cheaper materials to save money up front, but in the end, it ends up costing them twice as much, and with all the remakes for us and for them that they end up doing. And, you know, we gotta eat the remake costs. Yeah, that's so true. I really wish I could find an impression company I could rely on for help, and the doctors can get the help they need for us to get the records we need. So there you have it. Check out Kettenbach. This German-manufactured impression materials taking the U.S. by storm. Not only do they use top-notch patented technology, but they have a dedicated customer service team that will work with your accounts, which is amazing. Interesting. So do I just call the doctor and tell her to switch? You know, what if she doesn't want to? Well, you know how doctors are. Most of them are pretty open and say, hey, if I can do better, please let me know. So if I was you, I would tell her to call Kettenbach Direct, give her the number of 877-532-2123. They've actually got a $99 starter kit. They will put her in touch with a local rep. And they also have a lot of materials that labs use every day, like the Panacell Lab Putty Hard and Lab Putty Soft. They've got soft reline, they've got bite registration material, and when a lab orders, guys listen up, 25% off your first order. All you have to do is mention the code Dental Lab Podcast 25 Plus, they sell direct, so there are even more savings. Whoa, wait a minute. I've heard about that lab, honey. We use it here in our lab. I didn't even realize it was made by Kettenbach. That is amazing lab putty that our technicians love. I'm going to check out kettenbach-dental.us right now and then call my new doctor. So just hearing Elvis say it's an amazing lab putty, there you go. There's a super awesome recommendation. So call him. Thanks for your support of the podcast, Kettenbach. Thank you. Voices from the Bench. The interview. We'd like to welcome to the podcast an interesting combination that I don't think we've had on the podcast before. So joining us today, we have John Beasley from Classic Craft Dental in Savannah, Georgia. Is that correct? That's right. Awesome. How are you, sir? I'm doing well. It is a beautiful, hot, blustery day in Savannah. All right. And we're doing great. Cool. Nice. And also joining us, who kind of put this whole idea together, is a tax company with the Alliant Group. We have Tracy Lushton. Well done. You got it. Oh my gosh, got I got it. it. And if, 
Yes, everyone go see how this name is spelled, and you <laughs> won't believe that I got it right. So, Tracy, how are you today? I'm uh, doing great. Happy to be here with you. Awesome. We've all heard of the R&D tax credit, and we know it's a really hot topic in our industry. And Tracy's group, the Alliant Group, 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 kind of helps labs go through that process of obtaining the R&D tax credit. And John, you went through that process, correct? We did. So we started earlier this year after a close friend of mine who's a dentist, his accountant, had attended a seminar down, I believe, in Houston that the Alliant Group hosted, a guy named Jim Bolts. And Jim called Dr. Matt Allen and said, hey, there might be an opportunity for you to participate in a tax credit by doing some uh, case studies. And so we we were kind of skeptical. Mm-hmm. We didn't understand what it was. And, and honestly, after attending Cal Lab Group and it coming up as a subject in Chicago and hearing a couple of other people talk about it in Chicago, it became a little more real. Mm-hmm. And then we decided to dive in. The Alliant Group sort of outlined for us uh, what would be required of us, what would be required of them, and some expectations uh, within a range of what we thought might happen, and we began. It was a situation where we maybe lived in a hole but didn't know about the tax credit, didn't know anyone that had participated in it. So we did as much research as we could and and found the Alliant Group to have a successful track record and, and good reviews, so we chose them. So did you talk to other labs first that have gone through it, or did you go into this kind of blind? We went in it a little bit blind in regards to talking to other laboratories. Uh-huh. So I participate with Brassler on their advisory board and their previous president, a guy named Don Waters, is a close friend of mine. And so honestly, I just, and Don is a CPA and an attorney. And I called him up and I said, hey, look, we've been presented with this idea of going through some case studies and receiving a tax credit. One, is this valid? Two, what are our risks associated with it? And then three, are the costs that Alliant Group is asking us to pay for, is that in the ballpark range of where it needs to be? And he said, you know what? I've done it. I did it with Brassler. Let me come back to you, though, and answer some of those other questions. So he came back to me and had very positive feedback and confirmed exactly what Alliant Group had told us before we started. Nice. So Tracy, did you actually visit the lab and stay there for a couple days and walk them through the whole process? How does that work? Uh, No, we didn't visit the lab. John and I had a couple of conversations. We did an initial fact-finding call to understand more about classic craft dental lab. And and then uh, we had a follow-up conversation as well, where we were able to provide John with a range of credits that they'd be entitled to. It's an initial estimate of where we expect the credits to come in based on their facts. And it is a wage and U.S. supply driven credit. So those are the variables, you know, in terms of the types of prosthetics that are being produced in the lab, how many technicians they have, and and what their overall costs are associated with the development of those prosthetics. 
that's really what we need in order to determine where the credits are going to come in. And so we had that initial discovery call with John and then came back to him with that estimate. Wow. So you kind of walked him through every part of it. I've been down that road, actually. I'll be honest with you guys. We did that probably maybe seven or eight years ago. Um, And it was quite the lofty process for our laboratory, you know, to turn in what projects and stuff that we were working on and who was working on them and how much labor was attached to each of those projects. John, did you find that similar? Barb, we did. So we found it a little intimidating initially because we're probably considered a medium sized lab. We have a little over $8 million in revenue a year. We have varies with some of our drivers, but we have about 34 people on staff. We do our own in-house milling. We understand what we need to do to be successful as far as uh, lab growth is concerned, customer retention, product development, product processing. We understood those things, but what we didn't really understand is how we needed to categorize those into different buckets Mm -hmm. of how time was spent. So we were guided through the process through Alliant Group, but really what it allowed us to do was think about our business as a whole. And it just so happened that when we started the process, the COVID scare started and then the COVID reality set in. Mm. Yeah. So we had additional time to sit back and objectively look at, okay, what does our designer do? Why does it take them that long to do it? And are we meeting the appropriate goals to achieve the results we want in the end? So yes, it was very intimidating. You know, I've got a degree in business from Auburn and My business partner, Chris Witherington, oversees operations, and I wouldn't say we were in a comfort zone, but we were definitely in an area of our business that uh, was new to us when we started this process, and we wanted to make sure that we got it right, because if we knew we got it right, it would lead to future success. Mm -hmm. And I agree, Barb, it's a lot of information to put together And as a smaller company, we rely on the resources that we have in-house. So we have, we just have a bunch of geniuses that work with us. We have the best team in the world and all of them are very open. We have a very open environment as far as communication goes and expectations. We said, okay, here's what we need to do. How do we do that? Alliant Group answered that question. And then we started assigning tasks to complete those tasks and get the information back to them in a timely manner. So the first thing I think of when going through this process is time involved and how do we allocate that time? Because, you know, we're a dental lab. We're busy as, as can be and constantly moving How did you find the time? You did this all during the COVID shutdown or? No, we actually started Elvis before the COVID shutdown. Okay. Yeah. So the COVID shutdown helped us complete the task, but here's what we thought. And I'll just break it out to you. Yeah. Baseline thought process. So Alliant Group came to us and said, okay, we think that we can get you X number of tax credits. And I'm going to let Tracy explain a little bit more of this, but this is what we thought. So they said, we're going to get you about $200,000 in tax credits, but it's going to cost you $65,000. So that's a round number on the fees. Yeah. So we said, okay, for a 238% return on investment, I think we can find some time 
Not too shabby. (laughs) We can find some time to assign these tasks and get them done. And so like everybody, we have certain days where we're busier than other days. Oh, yeah. Monday morning for us is a time to look at the week to figure out what needs to be done to make sure that we're production goals are being met to make sure our sales goals are being met and talk to our sales team to get them started off on the right foot. And then on Fridays, Friday afternoons, if we've done everything we need to do, then we might leave a little bit early. So we decided that instead of having these windows of trying to get the work week going and easing into the weekend, why don't we invest some time in ourselves and make sure that we get the information that Alliant Group has requested and give it to them. We had a couple of missteps. We had maybe some information that we couldn't provide or didn't know how to provide. Uh, we spent a lot of time with our accountant to understand what they were looking for. And then we made the time to make it happen because with that return on investment, and I, I got to tell you, we were, we were still skeptical. We were yeah. very nervous about the fact that we would need to pay this money and hope that the IRS cooperated on their end to make sure that <laughs> yeah, I everything get it. came out. But even if it didn't, there's value in putting the program together so that you can run your business as best to your abilities as you can. Nice. So Tracy, when you run into a situation like that where there's there's a client or a lab that's hesitant, how do you calm their nerves knowing that it's going to be okay? Well, first and foremost, if we did not find the credits that we thought we would find, we would disengage and not bill John or Classic Craft at all. You know, our fees are our time and they're capped at a, a, about a third of the tax credits that we find for, you know, mm-hmm. the laboratory. And that includes audit defense. So we do have skin in the game. We're not going to push the envelope. Our job is to pitch right over the plate for these credits. We're not trying to blur the lines or anything like that. Our, you know, our credentials are that we have three former IRS commissioners on staff. We have the folks that rewrote these regulations in the early 2000s on our staff. And then we have industry specialists. John talked about, you know, his team and really just how incredible they are. And he's absolutely right. You know, the folks that we have working on Classic Craft and other laboratories, these folks are their PhD levels in material sciences, biology, and so forth. So, you know, we know that we're going to get to the right number. And our initial estimates when we're we're talking with folks like John about their lab and gathering that initial information, my job is to ask as many questions that would eliminate pitfalls in the study process, anything that would minimize or not work for the purposes of the credit. And so when you know when I'm talking with a prospective client, I want to make sure that all those bases are covered so that we have a very high assurance, you know, like at least 95 to 98% assurance 
that this client is actually going to realize the benefit. You know, we can't uncover everything because we're trying to minimize John's time on the front end as well. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we're not going to be able to cover every single thing in the tax code around the R&D tax credit on those initial calls because we try to keep those initial calls to under an hour. So when a lab wants to explore this opportunity, they're not investing a tremendous amount of time either on the front end to make sure that it's going to be a viable benefit and that they're going to have a good outcome. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So what type of questions initially start off the process? There's a couple of categories of expenses that drive the credit. So there's a few things we want to understand. We want to understand if you've got a dental lab and you've got technicians in that laboratory, their wages are going to drive the credit. These expenses go in the bucket that generate a credit. So if you've got $500,000 of wage expense, you know, we're going to be able to capture a certain percentage of that depending upon what the lab is producing. Naturally, there's more difficult types of prosthetics and types of cases that are undertaken. The more difficult those cases are, the more the iterative process is that they're going through to produce an implant or to produce any sort of ceramic prosthetic. That's what drives the credit. It's that iterative process to evaluate different alternatives as they're going through the design and fabrication process. So we're asking questions around the operations, you know, how many technicians are there? What types of prosthetics are they producing? You know, that's really the information we're looking for. And then we want to gather some metrics, you know, like the wages and the supply costs in the laboratory so we can do an an initial assessment that has a really strong underpinning to that, uh, to those numbers. So for laboratories that are listening to our podcast, you know, when you think of a R&D tax credit, what are they looking at? Are you looking at the evolution of your products or how are you getting better as a laboratory? Are you changing, you know, your technology? I know it does wage a lot of on the labor, but like, what is the purpose of it? If I'm a lab and I'm just looking at getting into it, like, what are my thought processes on why I would get a tax credit? That's an excellent question, Barb. And this is a question John asked us at the beginning as well. (laughs) So, (laughs) Yeah, and the R&D tax code regulations, you know, there's a four-part test that we need to meet in order to qualify a laboratory. And one of the business component is the first part of the four-part test. And one of the business components that a lab would qualify under is a product production. Essentially, laboratories produce one of a kinds. That crown is only going to be placed in in one case, right, in one patient. And so a laboratory starts from the beginning with the design and then the fabrication of of that crown to the specifications of that scan and and that dentist's requirements. So the product development is one piece of it. But Barb, you're exactly right in the sense that You can be innovating in your laboratory. You can be digitizing information. You can be creating process improvements to produce a better quality or to reduce your overhead and expenses associated with that. And that problem solving, that trial and error that you go through as you're implementing these initiatives 
is what generates the credit. So this is a credit to help laboratories be more globally competitive and to make you more profitable so you can continue to innovate in your space and keep these jobs here uh, stateside and help make you more profitable. Yeah, great answer. Thank you. I'll speak to that a little bit too. So we really, I guess we were probably a delayed adapter as far as technology goes. We were a traditional laboratory through 2014, 2015. We made our initial investment in milling and scanning uh, beginning in 2015. By 2016, we started to see the return on investment for that. 2017, we bought additional milling machines. 2018, we made more investments back into our business. 2019 and and even this year, 2020, we have added more capacity and milling to our process, which means that we've added additional designers, additional finishers. We've increased the number of people that have QC responsibility We have acquired additional license uh, to do different types of design work from different systems. We have increased our ability to design custom abutments. Hmm. So what it allowed us to do is really look back and say, okay, in 2016, and this is when our tax uh, credit study began. We started with 2016, then went through 2019. We looked at it and said, okay, one, This has been a good investment. But two, in evaluating the studies, uh, the case studies that we went through, we were able to pick out some areas that we needed to improve on. So as far as time allocation is concerned and productivity. So yes, absolutely. When you move from a analog model to a digital model, the probability of having an increased tax credit goes up significantly. Wow. That's awesome because you know a lot of laboratories are moving in that direction or already have, especially since 2016. How come you chose that year? Is that how far you're allowed to go back? I'll let Tracy answer that. But yes, uh, we were able to go back four years, including the current tax year that we were working on, which was 2019. And you know, my understanding, Tracy, is you and you can answer this that we're able to apply the credit for future filings. But, but yes, we were allowed to go back to 2016. Yes, that's exactly right, Barb and John. You have three open tax years. This is a statutory incentive. So if you don't take advantage of it, you do lose a year every year that goes by. So in, in Classic Craft's case, their 2016 year was still open. And it goes by the date of when that return was filed. So you would file your 2016 return in 2017. And then you have three years from the date of filing in 2017 that you can go back and get credits for that year. There's been some expansions to the credit that happened 2016 prospectively in that a couple important changes to this credit happened One, Congress made the credit permanent. So it had been a temporary tax provision that's renewed every year or two years on the extenders package. And in 2016 forward, the credit became permanent. So John's exactly right. You know, this is something that uh, Classic Craft is entitled to every year on a go forward basis. The other really critical thing 
is that Congress leveled another provision in that same act. It's called the PATH Act. And there were a couple of important provisions in the PATH Act that was passed at the end of 15 for 16 forward was that for businesses under $50 million in gross revenue, they removed the alternative minimum tax limitation. Now, alternative minimum tax may not be a common concept amongst your listeners, but if you're a flow-through business, an LLC or an S-Corp, tax is paid at the individual level. These credits, you know, like any ordinary business income or losses, flow through to the K-1 of the owners. Mm -hmm. Most U.S. businesses are S-Corps or LLCs. They're Mm flow-throughs. And many, many, probably 70% of owners were subject to alternative minimum tax. Now that's changed with, you know, some tax law changes that have happened over the past four years. But this really leveled the playing field between small and larger businesses, allowing this credit to be used against alternative minimum tax was a game changer for companies that are flow-throughs and their owners, because all of the sudden they could, you know, they always qualified for the credit, but they couldn't necessarily take advantage of it because of that limitation. So it was a game changer. And that's why 2016 and forward are such important years for this credit based on that provision. Wow. So what was it like, John, going back four years to look at records and to come up with you know, what was your lab doing four years ago? I mean, I can barely remember what we were doing last week, but to come up with the data that they needed to work on this tax credit. Yeah. Well, let me say it was a challenge at the least. So I basically operated off of one system. We worked out of QuickBooks. Mm -hmm. So this is how challenging it was. So we operated mainly out of a spreadsheet that we had created ourselves, a program we created ourselves that allowed us to do case tracking. And then we would extract the information out of QuickBooks. And we still had physical copies of prescriptions. And we were really kind of in the dark ages. (laughs) Uh, But we made the transition to LabTrack, which is the Mm -hmm. lab software that we use now. Use it ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. And, And in LabTrack, what it allows us to do is to look at the different steps that are taken in the manufacturing process. So Tracy's absolutely right. Everything we do in the lab business is once off manufacturing, and that requires a special skill set to be able to produce something that's unique to every tooth of every person that we work with. But, you know, we had no idea that in the progression of our growth that we would need to look backwards to see what we had done. So we had records. They were not great records, but they were records. And we were able to go back and say, okay, did we apply the same processes to the teeth that we made in 2014, 2015, 2016, 2017, based on the technology that we had? And if they qualified, if we, if we milled that crown and we finished it just as we do now, then we would say, yes, it qualified. If it did not, And this is one thing that Alliant Group will do. They will ask you, did you use the same processes? Did you have this person doing the same job? And over time, we had a couple, we don't really have a lot of turnover, but we had a couple employees that were here and then not here. And so we had to answer the question of whether or not the process was the same. And if it was, 
then we ask ourselves, are we being honest? Because we certainly don't want an audit from the IRS. We said, yes, we can honestly say that we did it the same way this year that we did it last year. We can go back to the prescription because we do have a digital copy of those and we can justify the process. Some cases we couldn't. So once we got into our lab track data, the whole process of answering questions for Alliant became a lot easier and it became more systematic. So we feel like we pride ourselves on having a good system of everything from how we mix our stone to how we put digital dye spacer in it to design to the milling strategies that we use. What we did not have was a good strategy for keeping those records that we do now and will benefit us in the future. So if something you did in 2016 is the same in 17, it's not really adaptable for the R&D credit. Am I understanding this correct? No, I guess what I'm saying is, is if we said, okay, we did not use a digital process in Mm -hmm. 2016, we did more of an analog process. Tracy will have to answer this better than I can, but we weren't able to take a full amount of time for that production because in 2016, we had people doing three and four different roles. Hmm. Our design person may open boxes in the morning, design during lunch, and then wrap cases in the afternoon. So as we grew and our technology changed, those roles became more defined and we were able to use the defined roles that applied to the tax credit towards the studies that were conducted. I see. Interesting. I think this is a really good point, Elvis and Barb. You know, when we talk about pitching over the plate, we are going to really evaluate. And there's ways that we can get this down, like over the four years of work that we did with Classic Craft, we narrowed it down to where we were diving into, John, was it 25 or 30 projects that were representative of the whole? Yeah. Yeah, was I it about it was that? Just a little over 30, yes. Yeah. And so we do a deep dive into those 30 projects. But this is why you really want to have a firm like ours that has deep, deep knowledge of what the regulations require and what the IRS requires in terms of support and documentation. Because we're going to understand, ask a lot of questions around those 30 projects and then tie back the labor hours and the supply costs. And then our data science team is going to extrapolate that. And there's very specific guidance from the IRS around this, the sampling process and how you do that extrapolation, which is why we have folks that are PhD statisticians that you know meet with the IRS regularly to see if anything is changing in terms of the statistical sampling requirements. Because again, that's kind of the underpinning to the analysis. And then as John said, you know, it's very important that we understand each of those projects thoroughly. And we're not just placing, because they have a specific title, we're not just placing them in a big bucket and taking a cost center approach where we'll take a percentage of that whole cost center because that would never stand up to IRS scrutiny. It wouldn't. So you know, as John is saying, we're going to interview and we're going to be very detailed in those interviews to really understand what's going to be allowable under the regulations and then have the proper supporting documentation 
to where we have a fully supportable credit claim on a tax return. One of the things that we liked about the process with Alliant Group was we were given tasks. We completed those tasks. The information that we supplied was reviewed. And this is all through a series of phone calls and Zoom meetings. Mm -hmm. So after we went through the process, we came back and Alliant Group had an initial summary of the work that had been done. And then we went back through it all again with not just their sales team, but their accounting team. And there were also a couple of legal representatives uh, that would be on the phone. And we would go around the room and we would be questioned as to whether or not the information we had given was valid. And if it were valid, then would it stand up to an audit defense if required? And I think for the most part, we passed the the test. There were a few cases where we had to fall back and punt and say, hey, look, you know, maybe maybe we didn't have the right people on this project or we could not account for who was on the project. Mm-hmm. So we removed them and didn't receive that credit. Mm-hmm. So I think the important thing to think about is if you're going to go through the process, you got to be honest with yourself. You got to be honest with your employees, because potentially if we had an IRS audit, they're not just going to come in and talk to me and Chris. They're going to come in and talk to everyone that works with us Mm -hmm. uh, because they're part of the process. It's just like the FDA. We're an FDA regulated lab. The FDA comes in. The FDA doesn't just talk to myself or Chris. They talk to the employees to make sure that we're following the protocols that are required in our processes. So we like that about the process to make sure that, hey, not only do we have a better understanding of our business, but we can validate that if we need to, and we have a record of it. Yeah. And then in the coming years, you just keep adding to those records and making new records and keep applying for the tax credit as you move forward. I think you made a good point there, Barb, because you get better with more knowledge. You can get better at how you are documenting, you know, your cases on a go forward basis. And and certainly there's an education part of this on the first time through a study. But the one thing I just wanted to piggyback on John's comment is that we take our quality control very seriously here at Alliant Group because that's why we have three former IRS commissioners. They set up the quality control review process with attorneys that are independent of the project team. So the project team develops all of the analysis, but then it is reviewed and approved through a quality control process, which is what John was talking about with the attorneys questioning, making sure that we've gotten it right. You know, we're not a black box operation where we're going to gather information from a client and then we're just going to do an analysis and give you those numbers back. That's not our process. Our process is to interact with the client throughout and make sure that we get it right on multiple levels Mm -hmm. so that at the end of the day, everybody is confident about what is going into that credit calculation and then on the tax return. So I've got a question on that. Either one of you can answer, I guess, this question. If there's a $200,000 tax credit, it's based on 16, 17, 18, and 19. So it's four years. How do they break that up? How are you allowed to use that credit? Uh, So every year, 
is a snapshot of its own analysis. You know, the cases can run year over year. We can sample those 30 cases over the entirety of those four years, but you're going to have some cases that fall into 16, some 17, some 18, some 19. So at the end of the day, we are segregating the 16 credits, the 16 qualified expenses that result in the credit. It goes on a single form. It's called the Form 6765 that goes in with the tax return. And then those credits either stay at the C-Corp level, or if it's a flow-through, then the credits flow through to the K-1s of the individuals. And John, with the changes in the classic crafts digitization and all of that that happened from the beginning of 16 through 19, John's credits in the 19 year doubled from his credits in 16, right? So you can see with the improvement of data and through that process, the credit's going to get changed year over year. So you can't say if I got $30,000 or $35,000 in one year, I'm going to get $35,000 every year. There's a base calculation that goes into this. And then, of course, the lab changes. They may be doing more cases in a year. They may be doing more process improvement in a year. It could go up and down. So that's why the analysis in every single year stands on its own. But do you need to break it up? Do you need to break that $200,000 credit up is my question, I guess, moving forward? Yes. So, Barb, I'll uh, let you know what it looks like at the street level. So the tax credit sheet I filed with my 2019 taxes. Uh, which for the first time in a long time, I didn't know the IRS any money. <laughs> That's so, nice. Uh, so that was nice. So what I asked the IRS to do is apply that towards my estimated tax payments for future taxes. Okay. 2016 is filed separately as an amendment to my 2016 taxes. I have not heard back from them yet on the 2016 taxes yet. And it was important that we file 2016 to be inside of the window that allowed me to file for that year. 2017 and 2018 amendments have not been filed yet because we literally just completed this process. And so our experience has been that the 2019, we saw an immediate relief from personal taxes, the K-1 tax burden. 2016 will basically be a refund in 2017 and 2018. When those are filed and the IRS processes them, those should also be a refund. So you can actually go back to those years, apply the tax credit and get a refund from 16, 17 and 18. That's pretty nice. Yeah. So we're filing a tax amendment. Now, I will say this. It is very important to have your accountant involved in the process. In fact, all of the initial calls that we had, because a CPA doesn't mean they know tax law in and out. It doesn't mean that they know all of the IRS codes. So there's a little bit of an education process for your CPA as well. And so once the CPA understands the process, basically they handle the amendment filing for your previous tax years. So if you have a good relationship with your accountant, it becomes very easy. They have to invest some time 
Alliant Group, full disclosure, Alliant Group and your CPA enter into an agreement because they're both liable for the information that's generated for amendments. And then they communicate independently of and with the client. So that's the process that we went through. And Tracy, you can speak to how other individuals do it. But as a pass-through corporation, it's an amendment to my personal taxes. Now, the bill, the cost of the service to Alliant Group reduces my income, my pass-through income as an expense to the business Mm -hmm. uh, because the business is paying for uh, the research and development tax credit service. So may I ask, Tracy, so is it a percentage of what the laboratories get back on the tax credit that is your percentage with the Alliant Group? How do you work that out? So you said it was 65000 with a $200,000 tax credit, which is amazing. Is that the percentages that you work with? Or if you work with a larger laboratory, what does that look like? Yeah, it's actually the lesser of the two, our time or that cap. And that cap that we enter into it, it's based on the scope of the agreement. Naturally, we had four years here. There's efficiencies on all parties We don't assume that the four years is the right answer for a client. It could be that they don't need that much in credits. It could be that they only need two years and every company is different. You could have made a lot of investments and not paid any tax in one year, Mm -hmm. but the credits carry back one year forward 20. But the important thing is, is we look at all of that initially to see what's going to put the client in the best tax position. We are experts on the R&D tax credit. And as John said, you know, CPA firms are experts at compliance and attest functions, but they don't have the depth of knowledge that we have with regard to the credit. So we want to work hand in hand with the CPA in order to make sure that we're making the right moves for the client to put them in the best tax position. So that fee cap includes all of our time to qualify, quantify, substantiate the credit. It includes audit defense and, you know, a little bit less than 5% of clients are audited. We've completed over 50,000 studies. Wow. And so, (laughs) you know, and we've always included audit defense. So, but you never know who that 5% is going to be. So you have to treat every file as if it's going to be reviewed. And then the third thing we include in that agreement is the CPA fees for amending and consulting because we're going to be interacting with them because, frankly, that's what's in the best interest for the client, right? At the end of the day, we want to do the best, make sure that we're keeping the best interests of the client. We're not just trying to generate a bunch of credits that they may use five years from now. That's not the point. We want to generate refunds and tax reductions immediately. So have you guys always worked with the dental laboratory industry or are you in many different industries and you just see, you know, where the opportunities are? Yeah, no, we work with well over 70 industries that qualify for this credit. We're a thousand professionals. We have 650 people dedicated to R&D And we're broken up by specialization. So dental labs fall within our life sciences practice, and they work with not only dental labs, but they work with medical device manufacturers. They work with drug producers, all kinds of different companies that qualify in that industry segment. 
But, you know, there's all kinds of other industries that qualify. It could be architect, it could be engineering, it could be systems integration. So there's a lot of different industries that qualify. But the key to having a proper study done is having the industry knowledge to make it easy for the client to take advantage of the credit. So you can tie that industry and, and know where to look and how to find the data in that industry and how that complies to the tax law, and then how to comply with the IRS requirements for the documentation. So that's why we have all of these specialists within every industry segment, because it it makes it as easy as possible for the client to take advantage of the credit, and it yeah. gets them everything they're entitled to under the letter of the law. I want to clarify just a little bit about what Tracy was saying with the fee structure. They do an initial assessment. They give you an idea. The language in the agreement that you sign with Alliant Group could not be any clearer. There is no smoke and mirrors. There's no awesome. there's no what if type scenarios. We had a very clear understanding of what it was going to cost going into it. We understood that it was uh, either based on time or a percentage of the tax credit. And I fact-checked them, to be honest with you, about whether or not it was competitive in the market, and it's very competitive. And I think the additional resources that they offer as far as audit defense and the time they spend on the studies is well worth it. Yeah. And full disclosure, I'm not receiving anything from Alliant Group uh, as far as an endorsement goes. (laughs) Of course not. Yeah, full disclosure, this podcast just wants to be real really enjoy the information. I know it's definitely a hot topic right now. You were saying Cal Lab and Lab Day, and we, we've all been really talking about it. And I know, like I said, we did it, I think, five or six years ago. It was quite the undertaking, but it was definitely financially beneficial to our company because every year for like three years, um, I think for us, it was like an $80,000 tax credit. I mean, that's huge. It was a lot of work. We still have it all. We still continuing to do those projects. For anybody listening to us, it's definitely worth the time and the investment that it takes to have that credit back. So, John, do you feel like you had to justify what you were doing in the laboratory for Alliant, or did you feel like they had a pretty good pulse on exactly what you were doing? So I think from an industry standpoint, Alliant Group knows exactly what they're doing. They understand the lab business. They understand the processes that a normal laboratory would go through. I don't think anything that we're doing here as far as technology is concerned is proprietary. I mean, yeah, for sure. It's easy to evaluate whether or not you're doing it. Really what Alliant Group challenged us with was how accountable we were with our employee time allotments. So we're, you know, being a smaller lab, we wear a lot of different hats. So Chris and I, as co-owners, we do a lot of different things. We might be at the bench. We might be doing City. Um, We have a lot of conversations about implants. And some of the things that we thought would qualify did not, even though we're very much a part of the business. And so it helped us to understand that if we're going to apply the credit, that we have to be able to justify it. It was nice for us to know that, hey, this is not a free pass. This is valid. And we can validate the information by the studies that were done. Yeah. And I echo that because when I went through it, we were allowed to do certain percentages of allocated time. And then that time was based on 
what your hourly wages were. And we tried to use some of our bigger hitters on some of the projects that we were working on, but it wasn't valid. So I completely respect your point on that. We did the same thing, but yeah, you want to really make sure that you're honest. And as you move forward, you know, you, you allocate those different resources and those different monies, and then you can continue on. And so I I like that fact too. keep it honest and keep it real. Especially after the last four months of spending 24 hours a day worrying about the business and making sure that we're absolutely (laughs) doing everything right. I feel like our time allocation should be increased for 2020. But uh, Heck we'll yeah. See. <laughs> yeah, so Elvis has another question. Sorry, guys, we lost That's Elvis, okay. but he was wondering, Tracy, how Alliant Group learned about what happens in the lab. So I'm sure that was a fun <laughs> uh, project for you guys to learn it because you obviously have the lingo down as we're talking to you, talking about implants and ceramics. So it's obvious that you know what you're talking about. So what did that look like for you? Well, there's many emerging industries for this credit because the regulations are constantly being updated and new laws being passed. And part of our responsibility is to take all of the law changes and IRS requirements, apply it to an industry. So it doesn't happen 50,000 studies later and, and in you know <laughs> yeah. labs. There's numerous types of laboratories. Dental labs are one type of laboratory. So that's why we have the industry expertise, like these the PhDs that have done lab work, right? Yeah. And so they mm-hmm. can apply their knowledge of what happens in a laboratory to the regulations. And so we have a head start because of these industry professionals that we have who actually do the work because many of them have worked in labs. And so when these regs changed and we started doing more work around dental labs, uh, particularly in 16 because of the PATH Act, we were able to get up and running very, very quickly. But it's not any individual. We have the project teams, and then we have the quality control attorneys, and then we have status. So we have checks and balances in-house, right? And we're all learning it together to make sure that we come up to the right answer for every single client in every industry. Well, that's a great answer. And I know how us some laboratory technicians and business owners think. We really like people that are plugged into exactly what we do and they understand the emotional aspect of it and the business aspect of it. So for all of our listeners, it really sounds like you guys are doing really well with your company. How can our listeners get a hold of you? How do we get in touch with Alliant? You know, you can certainly always reach out to us via our website. It's alliantgroup.com, A-L-L-I-A-N-T-G-R-O-U-P. Dot com, okay. Or you can also give us a call. The number to call would be 713-855-9312. So that's 713-855-9312. And we'll be happy to answer any questions that your listenership has. Awesome. So do either one of you have anything else that you'd like to add that we didn't touch on? We kind of lost Elvis. So I just want to make sure before we wrap up there's anything left that you want to say. I would just like to thank you and Elvis and Tracy for hosting this as someone that really didn't know anything about tax credits or how they work or what the potential was for them. I would say don't get bogged down in your daily lab life 
and ignore an opportunity to uh, improve your personal situation. So thank you for hosting it. One thing I'd like to say in closing is, you know, these are very difficult times for labs and our heart goes out, you know, to everybody that's been impacted by COVID. And, you know, that's why I love the work that I do with folks like John and other labs across the country. You know, we've delivered more than $6 million to laboratories during these difficult times. So this is a form of payroll stimulus. It's something that you never have to pay back, unlike PPP, and that navigating all of that, I know that's been very, very difficult for your listenership, but these are your credits. So we just want to help you get them. Well said. Thank you. And John, I'm sure you're okay if anybody wants to contact you as well, just for a little bit of advice. They can email me at jbeasley at classiccraftdental.com or our number is 877-552-7238. We love sharing ideas. We don't like living in a box. We love to learn and learn from other people. Please reach out. Yeah, so well said. I really feel that about our industries. We're so open to helping each other. So thank you both for being on our podcast. I'm really sorry we lost Elvis. Have a wonderful day. Thank you for sharing your information and good luck to you both. Thank you. Thanks. Dental Services Group is proud to support the National Board of Certification in Dental Technology and proudly promote certification for dental technicians throughout their national network of laboratories. The CDT designation sets certified dental technicians apart from others in the field demonstrating a mastery of knowledge and applied skills in the art of dentistry. Certification also raises the standards of dental health through education in all aspects of dental technology. At Dental Services Group, they believe dentistry plays a significant role in the healthcare ecosystem and is committed to providing solutions to benefit the overall health and well-being of the patient. Visit NBCCERT to learn more about becoming a CDT and dentalservices.net to learn more about how DSG supports the dental community. And they support our podcast. So thank you, DSG. A huge thanks to John and Tracy for coming on the podcast to talk about this awesome opportunity. I definitely know from experience that it's a huge undertaking. There's a lot of work involved, but it can be super worth it as long as you get support from a company that not only understands the tax code, but also understands our industry, which they obviously do. It seems like, obviously, Alliant Group knows their stuff. It's also a nice added bonus learning more about your lab's operation when you are going through the process. And trust me, it certainly is. That is not necessarily a bad thing to get in there and know all of the ins and outs of what you're doing. So if you want to learn more and maybe have a conversation with Tracy's company or with John, check out the links on this episode's show notes. So we are always trying to get the message out about not only our podcast, but about our whole industry. One way to do that is to go to whatever app you use to listen to us and give us a rating and a review. That is what most apps use to make us more findable for people looking for things to listen to. And why wouldn't we want the world to know how great we are and all the wonderful people that are working every day behind the scenes to make the world a better place? Yeah, baby. You know it. That's us. That's us. So as you (laughs) listen to us on Apple Podcasts or any of the many other apps, Leave us the highest rating you can. 
Because, I mean, really, why would you give us any less? <laughs> and write us a review telling everyone around the globe how great our industry is. Because we appreciate you all. Yes, we do. Thank you. All right, everybody. That's all we got. We'll talk to you next week. Bye. Have a good one. Bye. Well, that was going to be a majority of what we're going to talk about.